Welcome to Lit Poetry, the podcast where we go on a journey of discovery, reading, analyzing, and discussing great poetry from around the world. Poetry is worth it because the reading and writing of poetry is a revolutionary act that has the potential to transform both the reader and our world. As you walk down a lonely sidewalk in some nameless suburb, in some nameless city in the state of California, you see in the distance the sunset that has been drizzled like syrup over the tops of a distant mountain range. It's the 1950s, and the wasteland of suburban sprawl spreads out before you and makes you feel all at sea. You seem to float past an endless tide of automobiles guzzling gas, while deep currents of concern cling to your senses and threaten to drag you under. You're a poet, a rebel, and a gay man trying to navigate your way to a promised land that doesn't appear on any map. And your name? Well, your name is Allen Ginsberg. Welcome to Season 2 of the Lit Poetry Podcast. I'm James Laidler, Australian poet, writer and your host. And in today's episode, we'll be stepping imaginatively into the shoes of the American poet Allen Ginsberg and taking a look at his famous poem, A Supermarket in California. So pull up the collar of your jacket, light that cigarette and continue on your lonely walk down the suburban sidewalk of life. Like a moth to the flame, You're being drawn towards a neon-lit destination at the end of the block. Rising out of the concrete before your very eyes, the temple of modern consumerism, the supermarket. Now let's take a listen to the poem. A Supermarket in California by Allen Ginsberg. What thoughts I have of you tonight, Walt Whitman, for I walked down the side streets under the trees with a headache, self-conscious looking at the full moon. In my hungry fatigue and shopping for images, I went into the neon fruit supermarket, dreaming of your enumerations. What peaches and what penumbras, whole families shopping at night, aisles full of husbands, wives in the avocados, babies in the tomatoes, and you, Garcia Lorca. What were you doing down by the watermelons? I saw you, Walt Whitman. Childless, lonely old grubber poking among the meats in the refrigerator and eyeing the grocery boys. I heard you asking questions of each. 
Who killed the pork chops? What price bananas? Are you my angel? I wandered in and out of the brilliant stacks of cans, following you, and followed in my imagination by the store detective. We strode down the open corridors in our solitary fancy, tasting artichokes, possessing every frozen delicacy, and never passing the cashier. Where are we going, Walt Whitman? The doors close in an hour. Which way does your beard point tonight? I touch your book and dream of our odyssey in the supermarket and feel absurd. Will we walk all night through solitary streets? The trees add shade to shade, lights out in the houses. We'll both be lonely. Will we stroll, dreaming of the lost America of love past blue automobiles in driveways home to our silent cottage? Ah, dear father, gray beard, lonely old courage teacher, what America did you have when Sharon quit pulling his ferry and you got out on a smoking bank and stood watching the boat disappear on the black waters of Lethe. So I want to start by saying a few words about the historical context of the poem. A supermarket in California was written by the American Beat Generation poet Allen Ginsberg in 1955 and published in Ginsberg's Howl and Other Poems. This poem finds its home among the countercultural writers of the post-war era, including writers like Jack Kerouac, William S. Burroughs, and Caroline Cassidy. Critical of America's spiritual, intellectual, and ethical direction during the conservative 1950s, the Beat Generation rejected the standardised vision of the American dream being rolled out to the masses. To them, the stereotype of the perfect nuclear family, consisting of a breadwinning husband and a domesticated wife, living in the suburbs, climbing the ladder of success and keeping up with the Joneses, was repugnant, and a version of American life that they felt excluded from. Theirs was a voice from the margins and they expressed it by experimenting with non-conformity, sexual freedom, psychedelic drugs, and alternative ways of life. Of course, this behavior turned them into social outcasts and misfits, and it also led them to being vilified and persecuted by the conservative powers that be. For Ginsberg, the 19th century poet Walt Whitman, to whom the whole poem is addressed, was an honorary member of the Beat Generation, Indeed, Ginsberg loved Whitman's work, often carrying around a worn-out copy of his verse in his travels. Perhaps Ginsberg saw Whitman as an honorary beat because Whitman wrote a lot about the common man. And like Ginsberg, Whitman had a vision of the American dream that consisted of a community of radically free individuals who treated each other with a deep and abiding sense of love and humanity. Indeed, Ginsberg believed Whitman would have despised the conformist reality of human life typically on display in the mid 
20th century, where men and women are reduced to mindless consumers. 1955, of course, was the McCarthy period in American history. America was the strongest economy and military power in the world after emerging victorious and intact from World War II, yet it was also trapped in a tense conflict with the other great superpower of the time, Russia. During this time, suspicion, surveillance and fear were a part of life as people with left-leaning political views were often seen as communists and anti-American by association. Ginsburg and other beats were certainly individuals placed in this category and they suffered discrimination as a result. Many people working in Hollywood at the time, for instance, were blacklisted and refused work by Hollywood studios because of suspected communist ties. Overall, Ginsburg was disturbed by how many Americans in the 1950s were living cookie-cutter lives. He detested the homogenizing and claustrophobic culture that surrounded him. Historically, Ginsburg would have considered the conformity of American life as a failure of the collective imagination, as a kind of prison of thoughtless consumption that doesn't ever fully satisfy the deep existential needs that people actually possess. Added to this, the supermarket model really took off in the mid-1950s. Modern supermarkets offered a wide range of goods in one location, aided by a large parking lot. Especially important given that automobiles were becoming such a key part of daily American life and the dominant symbol of freedom. The old way of shopping, of local relationships and connections, were giving way to a fast-paced and soulless reality. And hence, in reaction to this, in a supermarket in California, Ginsburg goes searching with Whitman for a lost America. Welcome back. Now I want to say a few words here about the poem's form and metre. A supermarket in California is a loose poem in that it doesn't obey a particular metre or rhythm. It's free verse, free from constraints, and of course, the beats were known as the pioneers of the stream of consciousness type of writing. But this approach makes sense. It reflects the speaker's almost dreamlike state within the poem, floating in and out of reality, disturbed, longing and seemingly alienated from the world around him. The fluid unpredictability of the free verse lines reinforces this impression. Just think about the number of searching questions posed yet left unanswered in the poem itself. It's interesting to note that these lilting free verse lines mimic the older style of Walt Whitman too, who himself also spurned meter and rhyme because of the way they tended to straight-jacket language. As a three-stanza poem, it is also important to note that each of the stanzas progressively gets bigger. This increasing size gives the impression of momentum, but perhaps could also be seen as a commentary about the tendency for the consumerist urge to grow in society. The stanzas grow in line with the accumulation of possessions that are such a hallmark of the American way of life. Structurally, the poem also reflects the well-established archetype of the your traditional epic or journey poem. Although Ginsburg goes about playfully subverting this archetype, Homer's The Odyssey is an example of this type of poem, and the use of the word Odyssey 
actually appears in the poem itself as an allusion to this ancient narrative. Well, think of Dante's Inferno, which details the voyage of the medieval Dante's journey through the nine circles of hell, guided by the ancient Roman poet Virgil as his spiritual guide. Here we can see directly how Walt Whitman is in some ways Ginsberg's Virgil, and that perhaps the supermarket is a modern-day version of Dante's Hell. However, as far as an epic journey goes, in comparison to the Odyssey or Dante's Inferno, the speaker in Ginsberg's poem doesn't actually go anywhere epic at all, or have any real adventure apart from in his mind. But he's on an Odyssey nevertheless, although perhaps the poem is in this way suggesting that an epic journey of this kind isn't even really possible in the sterile, consumerist wasteland of 1950s America. talk here about one of the central themes of the poem that deals with homosexuality and conformity. At its heart, a supermarket in California is a critique on society's insistence that citizens should conform to a particular set of values and lifestyle choices. In doing so, the poem questions whether retail therapy and the buying of things such as the predictable blue automobile will ever bring people true happiness or satisfaction. The poem asks whether, in a world of escalating consumerism, whether people themselves actually become products, yet more things to buy and sell. That's why there's aisles full of husbands. It's as though husbands are mass-produced commodities themselves, who can be placed in your shopping trolley, and that they are identical to one another like cans of identical soup. And that's why the wives are literally in the avocados, And the babies are in the tomatoes. They have become objects neatly packaged to project an image of a perfect American life. The consonant sound made by the V in wives is thus mirrored in the word avocados. And the assonant vowel sound of the A in babies and tomatoes links one object to the other. These lines also help to explain the further reference to shopping for images in the poem. Indeed, the poem argues that consumer behaviour is actually a way for people to now construct a sense of their identity in American society. Opposed to this, the poem goes on to suggest that while capitalist, consumerist society pressures people to stick to conformist behaviour, those who refuse to play the game get persecuted and ostracised. This is certainly the case in regards to people exhibiting homosexual tendencies. Homosexuality is certainly a strong theme, but one that lies partly obscured in a supermarket in California. Ginsberg expertly hints at the theme through subtle references and clever innuendo. For example, Whitman and Ginsberg were poets known to be homosexuals. And as for the Spanish poet Garcia Lorca, also mentioned in the poem, He was also gay, and for this, as well as for his political views, he was murdered by Spanish authorities. Indeed, homosexuality is the connective tissue that binds these three men together who, although separated by historical time, 
Share in the secrecy and pain of living in intolerant societies where the practice of homosexuality was profoundly persecuted and considered wrong. At risk of persecution for his writing about homosexuality, Ginsberg is forced to submerge his reality. The closest he gets to a direct reference is in the innuendo in the second stanza, when Whitman pokes among the meats in the refrigerator and eyes up the grocery boys. When the speaker imagines the store detective following him, and Whitman for that matter, it's not just because they are trying food without paying for it, it's because they're outsiders, in large part due to their sexuality in an ultra-conformist time in American history. In contrast to the nuclear families of whole families made up of husbands, wives and babies, both Whitman and Ginsburg, not to mention Garcia Lorca, down by the watermelons, seem so out of place and lost within the lines of this poem. The final theme I want to discuss here deals with the rise of consumerism in society. The poem is clearly a rejection of American consumerism, and it is therefore no accident that the poem itself has located itself at the centre of consumerist culture, the heart of the storm, California. California is often connected with an idea of the American dream that equates wealth with happiness. After all, it is the home of Hollywood, where the lifestyles of the rich and famous reflect social desires. The supermarket overflowing with produce reflects this sense of abundance and plenty. Case in point, the brilliant stacks of cans. And yet the poem also implies that this is all window dressing, a facade as fake as the movies pumped out by Hollywood. The fruit is neon, so bright as to seem unnatural, and the speaker shops for images rather than actual nourishment that can satiate his hungry fatigue. Nevertheless, the poem illustrates how this lifestyle has a grip on people. Whole families move down the aisles as if in some kind of spell, totally bedazzled by the consumerist way of life that the supermarket has to offer. Of course, Whitman becomes something like the speaker's guide in this consumer wasteland. And the speaker at one point apprehensively asks Whitman which way to go, placing Whitman, who had a different vision for America, in this consumer paradise, the supermarket, clashes these two visions of America together to create a disturbing tension in the poem. Indeed, the speaker imagines this man from another era trying to make sense of the abundant variety of products, interrogating them and this strange, overwhelming environment. In initially presenting Whitman as lost and confused himself, the poem suggests how far removed modern society has become from the way of life that Whitman imagined and championed. Even the rebellious act of tasting food without paying for it, undertaken by both Whitman and Ginsburg, while applaudable, is ultimately ineffectual. In the end, the poem suggests that the optimism expressed in Whitman's poetry has failed to become reality and probably never will. Indeed, it probably never existed in the first place. Now, time is running out, and as the poem says, the doors close in an hour, suggesting it is too late to change what America has become. 
The poem then concludes by intensifying its sense of futility and isolation. Whitman is pictured alone on the shores of the underworld, the speaker walking home from the supermarket, and neither of them are in the America they desire. For Whitman, the waters of the Lethe that he crossed, thought to take away painful memories, are the only solace left for him to enjoy. In Ginsburg's America, consumers can buy whatever they want, whenever they want, but their relationship to these products has been totally eroded. That's why Whitman can't get his head around who killed the pork chops, because it definitely wasn't anyone who works in the supermarket. This line symbolises how removed people have become from the labour that provides them with all this bounty. The fact that the speaker and Whitman walk by every frozen delicacy again suggests a sterility and lifelessness to the food, which has been transformed from simple nourishment into something highly processed. A Supermarket in California is a provocative poem that resists those conformist forces in our world that seek to diminish our dignity as human beings. It gives a voice to those suffering on the margins of a suffocating society that doesn't recognise their distinct personality away from social norms. It is a multi-layered, complex, suggestive and radical poem that encourages the reader to celebrate non-conformity and question those forces in society seeking to dictate the expression of their identity. So it's time to wrap up this episode and say goodbye until next week. Of course, we would love to encourage any listeners to subscribe to our podcast or YouTube channel. By doing so, you are ensuring that we can continue our work here at Lit Poetry. Further resources are also available on our website. And I'd also like to encourage our listeners out there to email us about any poems that you would like us to feature in future seasons. We'll end by listening one more time to the poem. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you later. Supermarket in California by Allen Ginsberg. What thoughts I have of you tonight, Walt Whitman, for I walked down the side streets under the trees with a headache, self-conscious looking at the full moon. In my hungry fatigue and shopping for images, I went into the neon fruit supermarket, dreaming of your enumerations. What peaches and what penumbras, whole families shopping at night, aisles full of husbands, wives in the avocados, babies in the tomatoes, and you, Garcia Lorca. 
what were you doing down by the watermelons? I saw you, Walt Whitman, childless, lonely old grubber, poking among the meats in the refrigerator and eyeing the grocery boys. I heard you asking questions of each. Who killed the pork chops? What price bananas? Are you my angel? I wandered in and out of the brilliant stacks of cans, following you and followed in my imagination by the store detective. We strode down the open corridors in our solitary fancy, tasting artichokes, possessing every frozen delicacy, and never passing the cashier. Where are we going, Walt Whitman? The doors close in an hour. Which way does your beard point tonight? I touch your book and dream of our odyssey in the supermarket and feel absurd. Will we walk all night through solitary streets? The trees add shade to shade, lights out in the houses. We'll both be lonely. Will we stroll, dreaming of the lost America of love past blue automobiles? driveways home to our silent cottage. Ah, uh, dear father, gray beard, lonely old courage teacher, what America did you have when Sharon quit pulling his ferry and you got out on a smoking bank and stood watching the boat disappear on the black waters of Lethe? You've been listening to the Lit Poetry Podcast, presented by James Laidler. For more podcasts, poetry videos, and other useful resources, visit our website at www.litpoetry.com. Thanks for listening.